Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Haskins and Timothy Cuno. So I know you guys, I'm actually going to take a trip soon. I'm going to take vacation. Ugh. About time. I mean, right? I, I, you didn't even ask. I, I guess know. it's going to be fine. So I'm going to be gone for, actually, I'm going to be gone from work for a while because I have a work trip the week before, but oh I'm going, I'm going to Germany. <gasps> wow. Which is going to be very exciting. I have never been to um, anywhere over there. So I'm going for Oktoberfest. Okay. Which okay. will be fun. Good time in my life to do it. But I've heard, you know, you only want to go for one day. So we've booked a whole <laughs> bunch of different trips. We're going to go, you know, see this beautiful castle. We're going to go to Austria for who's a day. We? Who's, who's oh, we? Johnny Who are you and go- I. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Just Johnny and I. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure we know. Everybody, inquiring yeah. minds want to know who we is. Yeah. Yeah. So we are still together. Are you going to try a warm beer while you're there? Oh, is that the uh, Yeah, they don't serve cold beer. It's all like, yeah. So oh. like, I guess Oktoberfest too. Apparently the, the beer is like, the alcohol content is like way higher than it is in the U.S. So like someone was telling me like, you're probably only going to drink like two beers like the whole but time. But why is it warm? That's how they always serve it, I guess. I think that's how beer is supposed to be served. Uh, I, I, I don't believe it's that. Pro- I don't right. know. It's probably better. Do they know it's better cold? Here's the thing. It's Let probably know, more fresh there because it probably, I don't know. I'm making things up. I think up. you're making that up. I'm making it up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to I mean, Michigan justify. has like a ton of breweries. That's true. They make their own beer. Well, maybe they make it differently. I mean, their alcohol content is way higher. All right. Well, do some research while you're there. You're going to have to report back. All right. If I make it back. I'm just kidding. I'm make it back. Well, that sounds really fun. That's going to be a great trip. We can't wait to hear about it. I know. And Timothy, you're traveling too. Yeah, we're getting ready to go to Alaska. Uh, (gasps) Glacier's getting to go with us. Glacier Glacier in Alaska. Alaska. (laughs) Last year, we didn't get to see a a glacier because our ship caught on fire. So we lost that port. Yeah, our ship caught on fire. Why did we not hear that? Yeah. We were at our mustard station. That's how close it was us getting off. We just left Sitka about two hours before that, and the ship caught on fire. It was pretty hairy there for a while. But, oh, my uh, God. Yeah. You know so, what? I'm but, not sure either of you should be traveling. Now that I'm thinking about <laughs> yeah. it, I'm going to just be here. I don't know how comfortable I am with this. <laughs> hey, this happens to me all the time. <laughs> okay? All right. I will hold down the fort. Okay, so you're going back to Alaska. That'll be really exciting. Yeah, so we're going we're going back because I want didn't get to see a glacier last year, yeah. and so this might be my last opportunity with how bad my sight's getting. So I want to see one before I got my binoculars ready to go, and so we planned it. So glacier gets to go. We're flying to Seattle, and we're gonna have a good time. So and okay. she'll be able to work me on the ship, and she'll get to enjoy her week too. I want to be hanging onto her, or using my cane, and and all that stuff. So uh, I got glacier. That That's sounds nice. fantastic. What's the weather like there at that time of year? Uh, last year, about the same time, it was like maybe 57, 58 degrees. Okay. Oh, okay. It's so it's like fall. Not, it's okay, fall well. and not too cold at night, but it, it rained. And yeah. uh, you just deal with it. It's not bad rain, heavy rain, but it is a rainforest. Alaska is a rainforest, so oh. a lot of people don't know that, but it is. Yeah, apparently that's kind of like the weather in Germany is the 50s. Right now. Look at us. We're basically like a travel podcast now. Oh, my gosh. Educating. 
Well, we, we should do a podcast while we're going. We need to switch everything, switch gears. We're going to do guys, a travel. I, Germany's time difference, I'm not calling in from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> it's five, it was five like, hours in Alaska difference. So. I don't know the difference. I just know that when I fly out on a Monday night, I get to Germany on a Tuesday morning. But then when I leave Germany on a Tuesday, I get back to the U.S. on a Tuesday. I So I don't know. Johnny knows all that logistical stuff. I'm not good at, like, time. All right. I'm a little nervous about everybody getting back in one piece, but I'm excited for both of you. (laughs) It sounds like it's going to be a fantastic time and we can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Great. Well, (laughs) as we're moving along, I guess we'll get back to our core talking about blindness and uh, leader dogs specifically, although travel is fun and travel is a huge piece of what we talk about. So... Today's guest, though, is not only a leader dog client, but she also sits on one of our committees, which is a very important role we're going to discuss. Yes. Maria Krasik is a senior financial analyst with the Dormitory Authority of the state of New York. She serves as a volunteer non-trustee member of Leader Dog's Assistive Technology, Accessibility, and Advocacy Committee and serves as treasurer of Guide Dog Users Incorporated. And Maria holds a JD in Finance Transactions and an MBA in finance from the university at Buffalo. And Maria has both working at Leader Dog Osaka and a retired Leader Dog Lacey, and both of them are chocolate labs. Maria, welcome to the podcast. We've been looking forward to having you on here. Do you mind telling us how you got involved with Leader Dog? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've been listening since the beginning, so it's great to be on as a guest. I've been totally blind since birth, and my teacher, the visually impaired, had had a guide dog, but I never really thought about getting one. I didn't grow up around dogs. But then I went to college, and there were several students there with guide dogs, one which was from Leader Dog. And one of the moments for me that just really changed my mind, there was a hailstorm. And it was actually, I was with the student who had a leader dog and her dog was patterned to the dorm and she knew where she had to go and just being able to grab onto her and seeing the speed and fluidity and her competence in getting us through that weather situation and then getting to hang out with all these dogs you know and play with them I was like I need to have a guide dog (laughs) and so I started (laughs) and uh, so I started to do um, some research of the various guide dog schools and one of the resources actually guide dog users inc uh that i'm treasurer of as christina said we have under our resources section a school surveys section and so i was researching things like their training methods and length of class and cues used and the how much the class could be customized to my needs and and follow-up support the application process and just the openness to using navigational technology in class which really wasn't uh in some case of some programs they weren't as open to that in 2010-2011 timeframe as they were now. And so uh, Leader Dog was just there at the top of my list and then what really cemented when I spoke with client services and just the exuberance and the joy that the client services coordinators had. And I just felt like it would be a great personality fit. So a, a week after graduating college uh, in 2011, I was at Leader Dog to get my lazy puppy. And uh, then in uh, 2022, I went back to get Osaka. And um, it's just been so life-changing in, in so many ways, not only with... Um, 
having beautiful and wonderful and competent guide dogs, but just in other ways. There were a couple of board members uh, during my time when I was getting lacy, and one of them suggested the JDMBA. And so <laughs> that really informed, you know, my direction and uh, educational journey. And another of the members is the chair of this AAA committee that we're going to talk about now. And um, so it's just been a really wonderful experience and really glad for the opportunity to be able to give back now. That is amazing, Maria. One, I love the research that you put behind choosing a school because that's not an easy decision for anyone, you know, deciding, um, you know, what organization to go to or, you know, you said there's other different schools too out there and that is a big decision. So that's awesome. And so you have your second guide dog now and I did not know that you decided to go back to school because of a board member. How cool is that? So you mentioned it a little bit. We're going to talk about that committee that you're on. So the Assistive Technology Accessibility and Advocacy Committee. So that's something we're really working on at Later Dog. Maria, how did you get involved with that? Yeah, so uh, as I said, the chair of that committee, the person who is now the chair, because this is a new committee, we've been meeting for just about a year now. Uh, She happened to be at Leader Dog in 2011 uh, while I was getting lacy. And so we got to spend quite a bit of time uh, getting to to know each other and talking. And she could tell that technology was an interest of mine. And then I got to see her again when I was given the opportunity to speak at uh, Leader Dog fundraising event. And just uh, when the committee was being put together, she, you know, kindly thought of me and (laughs) recommended me. And um, during my time getting Osaka, I had gotten to meet uh, Sue Daniels, the CEO, when she came to have lunch with clients. And so it all just kind of came together that I was approached to uh, serve and that I was accepted uh, by the by the board. Uh, And it's just been a really wonderful experience. Um, we make, as you said, there are the three different components of the committee. So on the uh, assistive technology side, we uh, make recommendations and give some input on priorities for uh, leader dogs imp- implementation of assistive technology. So, you know, we've talked about the the program that LeaderDog has of issuing the GPS units to certain uh, program participants. And we've talked about what LeaderDog's doing on campus in terms of technology. Like there's an app called uh, NaviLens that enables uh, users to scan signs that are produced for the app with their phones and get navigational information on where they are on campus. And then we talk about it. So that's quite a fun part uh, We about the technology because we also get to talk about apps that we might recommend that uh, LeaderDog tell, you know, share with clients, um, both from O&M and, and GuideDog. So things like there's an app called Oco that uses the iPhone's camera and artificial intelligence to communicate the status of inaccessible traffic signals. Um, so that's one aspect. And then in terms of the accessibility aspect, we're uh, looking at whether uh, Leader Dog is adhering to accessibility standards and how it can best to do that. So we've been um, discussing uh, some of the challenges that we've had in terms of, for example, website access. And we've been learning about all the great work that uh, Leader Dog's been doing to improve accessibility with an accessibility audit. And um, we, you know, talk about um, 
when LeaderDog is looking at implementing new programs and initiatives, what our input is on the accessibility of that. So for example, social media, different platforms are such a hot topic now. So we've been talking about that. And on the advocacy side, looking at the um, opportunities that LeaderDog can uh, advocate for the community. So we provided input on these business cards that are now included for all clients that have just a one sentence guide dogs are guaranteed public access under the Americans with Disabilities Act but then they have QR codes to find a lot more information so they're very multimodal and simple and easy to use to educate and of course a uh, very very uh, current topic is this, this topic of rideshare denial advocacy which we've been talking about and which we'll get to uh, shortly. That was like a beautiful description of that committee and all the things that we've been talking about and discussing. So first of all, thank you for being a member of the committee. We have a lot of committees at LeaderDog and they're so important because, you know, while we're the experts in kind of our fields, there are so many different topics and things that we want to cover and do our best at and we need to bring in outside people. So we have lots of people kind of in other businesses and things sitting on different committees. We have clients sitting on committees. We have team members sitting on committees. So when we get together... Christina and I are both also on what we are calling the AAA committee, again, the one with accessibility, advocacy, and assistive technology. So Christina and I sit on those, and we always leave so rejuvenated because it's just great discussions. You know, it's so good to hear what our clients think, what other, you know, people in the business world think and suggestions that they have. So we always have such a good time and feel, you know, encouraged and walk away with action items and things that we want to look into a little bit further and things to do. Um, But as you kind of led into, one of the huge things that we've been discussing because it's an issue across the board as far as guide dogs and service dogs go is the the rideshare issues. Do you want to explain a little bit about what's happening with Uber and Lyft and other rideshares? Absolutely. So... In the ideal world, uh, you would request your ride share and the driver would come pick you up and take you where you needed to go and that would be that. But what has been happening quite often is that the drivers refuse to take those who have guide and other service dogs in their vehicles, whether based on some kind of religious uh, belief or not wanting to have a dog in their car or saying that they don't have to take pets because they haven't signed up for, uh, in Uber's case, an Uber pet service. And Uber and Lyft both do have policies that prohibit this discrimination. The drivers are being shown these policies during onboarding, but there's either been some kind of communication breakdown and just also a lack of desire to comply with that policy. And so uh, those of us with guide dogs and I have had quite a number of them. I've, I have had more good experiences than bad experiences, but I have had quite a number of these, uh, of these denials and they manifest in different ways. I've had, uh, I like to text drivers using the messaging feature of the app when they're about anywhere from three minutes to a minute out. So after they've already been coming to me for a while, I like to tell them where I am and that I have a guide dog. And 
that will sometimes manifest in the driver canceling the ride within 30 seconds to a minute of my sending my text. So it's pretty obvious why they've canceled the ride. I've also had it manifest as have others in drivers ignoring the text or not knowing the text or because a rider is not required to give advance notice of a guide dog. The driver comes, sees the dog and either argues with or simply pulls away. And I've also heard of instances where uh, riders have uh, attempted to open the door to get in and the driver has pulled away. And so obviously that is an opening to potential injury. So this has been a very serious issue that has been going on for years that the rideshare companies are quite aware of. So Marie, if this incident happens for a client or anyone else, what should they do? How should they go about reporting this? Yes. So the two key words here are to document and to file. And so first, in terms of documenting, you want to do this in order to have the strongest case possible. So for example, taking screenshots when you have booked the ride and when it's coming to you so that you can show that the driver has been coming. They, the companies should have all of this information on their end. But again, you have a stronger case if there's an issue. You may wish to, again, use that messaging feature like I mentioned previously, you don't have to, but again, stronger evidence. If they've been coming to you for five minutes and then you send the message and they cancel the ride a minute later, I can't think of any other valid reason why they would cancel the ride. Uh, the, taking uh, an audio, uh, a video recording of the pickup to capture any kind of denial, you know, making notes of any kind of points that a driver might try and use against you like, oh, it was dark out or it was, you know, raining and I couldn't see them or some such or, you know, where you were. Use the, the light detector app, a light detector app um, available for your phone to, you know, be able to make notes about these types of things. So after you've documented, you want to file complaints and you first want to start by filing a complaint with the actual rideshare companies. Uh, both of them have options for written filing of complaints within the apps and and both also have phone options available. And after that, you will want to file, I would recommend, a an Americans with Disabilities Act or ADA complaint with the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. And that's a pretty basic, it asks for your, you know, who, when, what, how, where, your basic kind of information. Um, and you might actually have some additional avenues for filing a complaint based on the situation. Like if you're taking an Uber or Lyft via a contract with another provider, like if the trip involves, for example, in an airport, you can also file a complaint with the uh, airport. If you are uh, taking it through paratransit, for example, or even if you're not, just to, you know, make some more noise, you uh, can file a complaint with your uh, local civil rights commission. Or again, with paratransit, uh, file with the Federal Transit Administration of the Department of Transportation. As you can tell, this is a bit of an alphabet soup here. And, you know, there, there are more options. If you can demonstrate a financial loss below $10,000, you can go to small claims court. So there's a lot you can do. And I've learned about all of this and more from a Guide Dog Users Inc. call that was held in May called Stranded at the Curb. And I would very much suggest that you listen to that for some other uh, in other recommendations on what you can do. Uh, if you go to gdui.org, 
right on our homepage, there's a heading that says, tired of being left out in the dust, in the rain, in the dark, by the side of the road. And it talks about not tolerating discrimination from drivers. And there's a link there that says, find out how to file your complaint. And there's some written information. And then there's also the link to that community call, which has just been a wealth of information. So there's a lot you can do. Um, I know this sounds exhausting. Just taking a step back here, you know, you just want to take your ride and not think about these things. And it's frustrating. And I, I understand. And you don't have to, you know, do it right that moment after it happens. But, you know, we have to... If we want to see things change, we have to be, as, as Gandhi said, we have to be the change that we want to see in the world. So I would really, really encourage people to com file complaints and, you know, make some noise. And we need to get this out there. We need to get data out there, especially with the Department of Justice, that this is happening. That is great. I mean, so much information there that you just provided for anyone listening. Um, things that I wouldn't have thought of as well. Um, kind of going off of this, Maria, how accessible are these apps, um, these rideshare apps? Are they accessible enough that someone knows that the driver is like about to approach or, you know, is it kind of, it tells you a time and then you kind of know on the time and then you know, if they never show up, I guess, how accessible are these apps um, for the user? So overall, yes, they are accessible. To step back for from your question for a bit in terms of the overall experience, um, while they are accessible, it is a bit, can be a bit of a moving target sometimes with uh, updates. For example, in, in the process of booking a ride, uh, Last Wednesday, at least, when I, when I attempted to book a ride uh, and I was getting cancellations because of my guide dog, the scenario I described earlier, and a bus happened to come that I could take. I was at a bus stop, and so I took the bus and I went to try and cancel my ride, and I could not click with voiceover on the ride details screen to cancel the ride. So there can be some accessibility issues, but yes, overall, it is quite an accessible experience. And to speak to your question, when the driver is approaching, you do get a real-time announcement in terms of minutes. So you'll be told, you know, riders eight minutes away, seven minutes away, etc. There is a map which currently is not accessible, but you do receive that timing information so you can know when that driver is, you know, two, three minutes out if you would like to send that message. Uh, the messaging feature is accessible, the calling you are told the driver's name and their vehicle and the license plate. So overall, yes, they are quite accessible. But just be aware that sometimes, uh, you know, updates can, unfortunately, like with so many apps, sometimes, you know, break certain features. But overall, yes, they do work quite well. And Timothy, have you experienced anything like this before? Have you ever been uh, kind of denied a ride or left somewhere? I have been denied. Uh, I do it a little bit different than what she suggested. The only thing I do differently is uh, I give them the notice of me having a guide dog two minutes after I book it, and I take a screenshot. That way, if it that way if it gets canceled, I still have time mm -hmm. okay. to get where I need to go. And that's the only thing I do different than what she does. So it, it, I'm glad she said what she does because it's similar exactly what I do. But yes, I've been denied a couple of times. Yes. You know, and this is something that we're hearing from so many people is that they're actually, you know, it's making an impact on people when they're deciding whether or not they want to get a guide dog or a service dog or get a replacement guide dog. You know, some people are saying that 
it's just too difficult for rideshare. If you use rideshare all the time and you're constantly being denied or being stranded somewhere, you know, maybe that is going to impact the decision to get a service dog. So it is a huge concern for us at Leader Dog, as well as all of the other guide dog organizations across the United States and Canada and everywhere kind of dealing with this, which is why it's such an important topic for us. We have met with Uber. We are trying to continue conversations to figure out the best thing that we can do. So Maria, I absolutely appreciate you talking about uh, document and file because we have to continue to make a fuss about it, right? Yeah. Uh, what is it? Squeaky wheel? Or early bird gets, what's the, trees gets the wheel. Something. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> something about the squeaky wheel gets the something. You know, nice try. Whatever <laughs> it is. <laughs> whatever it is, that's what we're trying yes. to do. We're trying to be the squeaky wheel. We need to and make as much noise. Night. Yeah, somebody's going to have to Google this later. Yeah. We'll get comments and emails yeah. about what, how we did it, how I did it wrong. Yeah, but if you think about it too, you know, rideshare is such a way of the world right now because... You know, if you don't live in a big city where there's cabs and taxis everywhere, you know, uh, you have a ride share basically in every, you know, small town or big city. So, oh, and I think Leslie just squeaky looked it up. Wheel, there's, <laughs> squeaky wheel gets the grease or squeaky wheel gets the oil. <laughs> Either way, guys. The point is. You know, we're just the squeaky wheel. We need yeah. to continue making moves. So I think this is just a really important topic. And as you mentioned, can you tell us a little bit more about Guide Dog Users, Inc.? Because I do think that's a fantastic resource. Yes. So Guide Dog Users, Inc. is an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, which is one of the consumer blindness uh, advocacy organizations in the U.S. And GDI has been around since, I believe it's been since 1972, and really providing the information and the peer support and advocacy resources uh, for the guide dog community. So um, whether we have a, a chat list and a Facebook group for people to be able to share information. We've held uh, community calls on, as I mentioned, the rideshare, uh, but also the new uh, forms for air travel when those began. we also, uh, at, at the conventions, uh, we have uh, programs that we hold on the guide dog lifestyle. Uh, for example, at this past convention, we had uh, updates from various guide dog schools. We did a session on uh, eye health in guide dogs and about uh, guide dog, uh, actually a leader dog, Alyssa Otis, who's been on this podcast, did an, a fabulous presentation on the matching process. Um, so we really serve to be a resource of support and information uh, and advocacy uh, for the community. We monitor, uh, you know, legislation that's up and coming that could have an impact. We assist people. Our advocacy uh, committee provides guidance uh, for people when they've had some kind of difficulties um, in uh, in traveling with their guide dogs. Um, For example, we also have recently had information on uh, people encountering uncontrolled uh, dogs in stores or... um, we have a, for members, we have a disaster assistance program where we're able to provide a stipend uh, due to a funding source for uh, guide dog essentials if someone's facing something like a hurricane or a fire or just any of these events that are becoming, you know, much more uh, common, unfortunately. And so um, I would 
I would definitely encourage uh, anyone who is interested to learn more and to join us. We also have a few affiliates in several states um, and then also uh, the, the national organization, of course, as well. And uh, the website for that, for Guide Dog Users Inc. specifically, is gdui.org. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maria. And thank you for joining us today. I think we could continue to talk for another half hour or hour with all the resources and great knowledge and experience that you've shared. So thank you for being a part of today's podcast. Thanks so much for having me. All right. And thank you so much to our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Christina Hepner and Timothy Cunio. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Maria and all of the wonderful resources she shared. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. Yes, and if you'd like to learn more about applying for our free services at Leader Dog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.